Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Gemma. Good morning. Gemma, how are you this morning? I'm okay. Are you alive? I'm kind of, I'm a little bit croaky. Did you sleep last night? I, a little bit. Not I slept much. a little bit last night. Not as, as well. much as I would have I liked to. I did not to. sleep as much as I would have liked to have slept either, but for different reasons, but similar reasons. Kinda, sorta, yes, yeah. But no, Sound. I'm good. Sound was the reason. Sound was the reason that Sound neither of us slept last night. Sound yes. is what we have in common. We had, we had the biggest electrical storm you can ever imagine. Huge. It was honestly like for maybe two hours being under a flickering. Fluorescent strobe light, strobe light, yeah, that was um, very, very loud at the same time <laughs> and way brighter than any uh, fluoro that you could ever imagine. It was pretty hectic, hey. Oh, it was hectic. You have no idea how hectic it was. It was <laughs> just off the chart. I only saw it for half an hour before I headed home, and then out where I live, you didn't get much of it passed through, but. Yeah, before I left, outside, you know, looking at the sky for a bit. And yeah, it was really bright last night. <laughs> it was indeed. It was uh, almost, well, you could say it was constant. Constant yeah. lightning for about two hours. Yeah. Not so, as much rain as one would expect, but fun nonetheless. It, fun. Is that what you're thankful for today? Oh, absolutely. I love, <laughs> I love, thunder is like the best thing ever. Okay, no electricity this cool. morning, which is a bit of a bummer. And um Feel a bit bit bad for all of the uh, engineers who are out there trying to get it working again. Luckily, we probably... have power here. <coughs> yes, we did not expect to have power here. We drove in, and another thing I'm thankful for: we drove into Newcastle, and the whole of Newcastle was like black. <laughs> like this is this does not bode well. Got to the office and we got power. So well, praise the Lord. Nice, very cool. What are you thankful for? I. I'm thankful that I still have a voice because after last night I was like, oh, I'm going to have to text Lyle and tell him that I can't come in because I don't have a voice. But I woke up this morning and I was feeling okay. So that's good. I'm glad I can talk. Good. Yeah. Good. That's good. This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Coming up in today's stories, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about... uh Oh, this one's a bit of a bit of a sad one. Another uh, mass shooting in a church overnight. Twenty-four killed. Mm. Um, but then I've got a positive news story coming out of. Well, is it coming out of Australia or PNG? We'll have to wait and find out. But this is Anna Weather up with. Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Suffered on a tree, a 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Anna Weather Up with At The Cross. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and Gemma is about to give us our first clue for our quiz this morning. Go for it, Gemma. Are you ready? Always ready. Always ready. Well, it is a Who Am I quiz for the day, and the first clue is, I am also known as Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. I am not ready. Oh, he's not ready. Oh, yes, I love it when he doesn't get it on the first go, like on the first clue. Oh, never mind. Okay. He I'm was, ready. He was ready. He figured it out. Fine. <coughs> I had hope there that I had stumped you on one, finally, but he figured it out. But that's okay. But if you know what it is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or send us a text on 0491-064-669, and you will get a prize. Lyle's dying again in the corner. Why is it that I've been sitting here for the last hour getting my material ready and as soon as I go to air, I can't stop coughing? Maybe it's just because I start using my voice again and and suddenly my lungs get all stirred up and I've got to um, (coughs) clear my throat so I can be on air. (coughs) So if you hear me talking or ranting for a bit today, it's because Lyle's dying in the corner. I'm not as bad as what I was yesterday. You said that yesterday. That's right. And it's true again today, which is awesome. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so positively different news. Let's have some positively different news. I went to a concert last night. Yes. It was amazing. Yes. Rend Collective. Rend Collective. It was positively different. We, really? It was very. It was not what I was expecting, which is why I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about this tomorrow because this is going to be like super cool to talk about on air because it was so different. Did I you was get any like, artists to come on and interview for us? Oh, I mean, if I could. Oh, man. If Rand Collective would do an interview with me, oh, that'd be kind of cool. How long, much longer are they here for? They've got the day off today. They're in Brisbane tomorrow night and then they fly out to the States the day mm, after that. Let's see what we can organise. <laughs> but yeah, so the concert was really cool. Um, I expected it just to be a concert, just for them to play their songs, and that was it. But it was really like a church service. Nice. Yeah, so we came in, we got our seats, we sat down. Um, they had a girl come out and do a couple of songs beforehand. Um, her name was Tenille Adder. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook. She was amazing. She sang some very beautiful songs. Um, she had a little bit of her testimony and then she welcomed the band on and then the band came on and they said, jump up on your feet and, you know, and let's, let's, you know, worship God and praise God. And they did two songs. And then, um, the lead singer said, look, before we get any further into this, I need to pray. Like, I want to spend some time in prayer with you guys because I'm not here to showboat us as a band. I'm here because we're going to praise God together because we are the house of God. We're a church right here, Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. And it was amazing. So then he then he prayed and we they jumped into some more songs. So good. They uh, played for us one of their brand new songs, which hasn't been released yet. So that was a little bit exciting to be able to hear, yeah, one of their songs that um, no one else had heard. So that was really, really cool. Um, and they played a couple more songs. And then about halfway through the show, um, they the band disappeared off stage. And we were like, okay, maybe that, they can't be finished or maybe we're having intermission or something. And the band disappeared off stage and the drummer came up the front and the lights came up um, for everybody. And yeah, he started, he started talking and he was give, telling the story of um, the prodigal son. And uh, yeah, he was basically explaining that story, a little bit of a mini sermon. Um, and then he made an appeal at the end and he was like, the whole reason we do this is for the glory of God. And the whole reason we do this is to invite you to accept Jesus for the first time. Yeah. Um, and they did a huge appeal and then the rest of the band came back out and they did a really beautiful song. 
Um, and they did something different for an appeal that I'd never seen done before. You know, normally when they're like, if you've accepted Jesus for the first time, stand on your feet or put your hand up or someone will come around to you and give you a card. And I'm sure, sure you've seen stuff like that done yep. a hundred times. Anyway, so they put the lights down. So it was pitch black in the room. And he was like, and he prayed a prayer and he said, I would like you to, you know, repeat after me what I'm saying this prayer if you want to accept Jesus for the first time. So he'd say a line and then, you know, there was people in the crowd that were repeating it. Um, and then at the end, with the lights still down in pitch black darkness, um, he said, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to grab your phone out and turn your torch on and hold it up real high. And oh, then, that's nice. That was amazing. And so we're looking across the room and there was like 15 to 20 torches yep. that had been turned on. And he was like, yep, I see you. And it was just amazing. It was really beautiful. And just the the sermon was really good. Tons of fun. And then the band came out and they played some more bangers of a song and we danced for a bit more and sang for a bit more. And it was great. That's amazing. I um, have never done an appeal like that before. You've got my mind sort of churning over with ideas now. I, I thought it was very clever. Yeah, because yeah, it's creative. I mean, yeah, I think it's it's a little less confronting and daunting for people, I guess, to have to stand up in their spot or put their hand up. But um, it was also a way for him to still see how many people out there had made a decision because yeah, you know, yeah, count the lights from the torches and things. Yep. And then he said, you know, if you've come here tonight and you've made that decision and you've and you've put your you know, you've lit your torch up. Um, make sure you tell somebody. Tell the person that you've come with or, um, you know, tell anybody here tonight, um, the pastor of the church and, you know, anybody else who's here that, you know, you've made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time. And it was really, really cool. And uh, he mentioned afterwards they did an interview um, a couple of days ago. And so far in the Australian tour, they have had 85 people give their lives to Christ. Praise the Lord. At their concerts. Amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, so that was definitely some positively different news. <coughs> I'm just going to cough this is, for this a is, minute this now. Is, um, <coughs> this is Gemma now. See, this is what happens when you work in a small studio together. We are very generous here at uh, Faith FM with our um, <coughs> not so much sure positively different bugs, but um, I gave Gemma some of my medicine this morning, so hopefully she's not going to... Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm back. She, she, she's back. It was just, I was singing so loud and screaming so loud because the concert was so good and now my throat today is like, no, nope, it's it's finished. Yeah. But something else which I found in some positively different news um, is a really interesting story. When I first saw this, I was like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this, so I want to know how you feel about this. Um, so there is an, an artist, uh, photography um yeah, photography art. Her main method, her main method of you know is is photos, um, and she has just released ten pictures that um, she's created herself using a bunch of different digital software. So she's very into the, the using the technology, sure. um, and she's taken the ten commandments, and for each commandment, she has created a photo um, with a U.S. president. Right. Targeting and uh, the little blurb that she's put out with this series of 10 photos is she hopes the images will bring visual shock, irony and metaphor to inspire discourse and insight into how American society has gone astray. I have to ask, which which commandment did she put beside Donald Trump? He is uh, the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. Who, and she puts the verse. She actually puts the Bible verse here. Um, and then she gives a little bit of a comment as to why she's chosen this president um, to match... Because he has the biggest ego, right? Um, yeah. President Donald Trump is a businessman and a former reality TV star and is demanding the nation's status on the world stage with his childish tweets. Yeah. And she goes on. 
I have to talk a little bit about him and him, his ideology. Clear, of, clearly not a fan of Donald Trump. Clearly not. I don't think she's a fan of any of the presidents. But I think that's the point. I think she's trying right. to get okay, the, yeah, you yeah. Know, the US, American society and culture to, you know, think about, you know, so there these, used to be a Christian nation and she's kind of targeting that by, you know, juxtaposing these images with the Ten Commandments. Are these all recent presidents or does she go back through some really historical ones? Back well? through really historical ones. So the first one, first commandment is Donald Trump. Um, second one is Ronald Reagan. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Okay. Um, yeah, right. and it's just really interesting. And, and she's set the images in today's context. So she's taken images of of previous presidents who obviously, you know, couldn't have cell phones or things like that. But the picture, for example, of the second commandment, Ronald Reagan is him taking a selfie. <laughs> with his phone. With <laughs> as his, if with they had his, that in the 1980s. Yeah, exactly. So um, they're all set in today's time, today's yes. culture and context. Okay. Um, and yeah, some of them are... Show me some historical Very ones. interesting. So, like so re- here's Theodore Roosevelt, and he is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day? Okay. Um, which I thought was really interesting, and because what she says here, um, the weekend is when extravagant sport games are aired, and at the turn of the 20th century, when he was the president, um, there was much debate on the dangers of football. Um, and Indeed, Roosevelt, there was. Yeah, and Roosevelt acknowledged that the sport required reforms and pushed for important changes that reduced fatalities. So here he is uh, watching a Green, Green, Green Bay Packers game. On a flat screen TV. Yep. Yeah, which definitely went around in 1901. But yeah, so... Does it? Does he have one from like uh, George Washington? Um, there is. Sure. The next, ah, okay, that, there there you go. Is. the next one, George Washington, is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Um, the value of the wise elder archetype has diminished. We often see seniors abandoned in rest homes without proper care. So Indeed. yeah, if you want to check oh, okay, out, okay. So yeah, he's in a he's in a uh, he's he's in a um, an aged care <coughs> facility. Most interesting. I, I'm going to have to share that link uh, with us all. Put it up on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll be able to uh, share that one around because it's going to be, be interesting to uh, to look through. Right now, we're going to see song through the system. What is on earth is that on? I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fear is like Jericho Build the walls around my soul When my heart is overthrown
Welcome back, guys. Okay, so that was <laughs> that was fun. Song through system. This is what it says on my screen. I read what's on the screen because that I was... can't hear any music. <sighs> so how was I supposed to know that it was? You weren't listening, Shell, and I told you what we were doing. You had your head. You were not paying attention. I was paying attention to getting ready for this segment. Is what I was doing. For very, those very who, for those who care, that song was "Every Giant Will Fall" by Rent Collective. No, it they wasn't. Played it last night. It was amazing. It, it was, was song... not song through the it system. That's what the computer <laughs> said. Yeah, well, that's what I said as well because uh, computer said that. So you know, I'm just saying, Shell and I told you. You were just what we talking were about the Ten Commandments here a moment ago, and there is a Ten Commandment that says, "Thou shalt not lie." And that computer just Ooh. lied to me. Well, okay, I thought you were saying that I lied to you. I was like, no, you had your headphones in and weren't listening. Shell and I told you that we were going to play a song through the system. The song is not called "Song Through the System." How was I supposed you to know just that? I was the, listening just, to Anna Weather up. She I'll was amazing. Do She's the, like. Bible studies. You let me talk about the music. How about that? Okay. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, okay. Right. But anyway, let, news. Oh, no, uh, no, no, wait. We need a clue first. Clue, 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 clue. Okay. The next clue for the Who Am I quiz. I sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Yep. Yep. You know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 491 <coughs> And tell us who that particular individual was, and there is a prize coming your way that Gemma is about to tell us all about. I'm looking at the list of prizes. Okay. I haven't all picked right. one yet. Give me, give me the next break. I'll get back okay. to you on what the prize is going to be. Back in just a moment. Um, overnight, we uh, have another killing in a uh, mass mass shooting in a church. Um, 24 killed, including the pastor, 18 wounded, um, and as so far, no one has been apprehended. Obviously, this is in the states. Well, actually, no. This was in uh, Burkina Faso, which is in Africa. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is actually, you know, we, we always think, oh, this is in the States because the only ones that are ever reported in the States, but there's a lot more of these kind of things that happen in Africa than what happened in America. Hmm. But we just don't, sort of don't... I guess we never hear about it if it's not happening it's in not America. Newsworthy, it's not newsworthy if it's in Africa. Hmm. Um. But this is in a country that is about one quarter Christian, three quarter Muslim. They've been, um, you know, peacefully coexisting for you know hundreds of years, mm. and uh, yeah, not such a good thing there. So we need to be praying for our friends over there, you know, in the same way that we pray for our friends in New Zealand or Africa or even here in Australia, when you know Canada, wherever these things might happen, they are horrific, and we need to remember that African lives are worth just as much as lives in. Western first world countries. Amen. Anyway, moving on from there to a positively different story. Um, <clears throat> this was one that I found just really interesting because during our recent bushfire crisis, we had uh, vol- bushfire volunteer fighters that came over and professionals as well from Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. That's not so uncommon. We often share resources backwards and forwards. But what was unusual was where one of the um, teams of support personnel came from, and that was a deployment of just under 100 uh, Papua New Guinea military personnel to Australia to assist in bushfire fighting and more particularly bushfire recovery. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we often think about Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Vanuatu, places like this as the places where we send aid to. Mm. 
it's not so usual that we have aid coming back from them. Yeah, I feel like we have the perspective that we help them, they need us kind of thing. Uh-huh. Wow, we needed them. Wow. We sure did. <laughs> we certainly did. And uh, and so, yeah, 100 of them came over, 100 of uh, um, Papua New Guinea troops came over to help us out here and have been working down in Victoria. They're about to uh, head back to Papua New Guinea. Um, <clears throat> and there was some interesting... Interesting uh, side effects to it because every evening, being Papua New Guineans, of course, they gathered together for their evening worship and singing of hymns. Mm. The locals just really enjoyed that. A lot of them would come and sit in or participate. Um, they had, you know, because Papua New Guinea people are very Christian people mm-hmm. as a general rule. And so, and, and of course, being Melanesians, you know, they just sing like amazing. It's like every <laughs> Melanesian is 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 born with, um, you know, that ability to be able to harmonise and sing. And it's because it's taught, and it's not here. Don't get me started on music education in Australia. Well, and when you, <laughs> but when you go there, they all assume that you can sing as well, which is kind of embarrassing for people like myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the first time that a Pacific nation has deployed for a natural disaster in Australia. Wow. But of course, you know, the relationship between Papua New Guinea and Australia is a long and well-established one. And they were working alongside with Australian troops, which is something that, you know, dates back to the Second World War. Mm. And there's a whole story coming out of the Second World War that is yet to be told, particularly here in Australia. And that is the way that the Papua New Guinea troops worked and fought alongside the Australian troops. Because, you know, fighting in the Second World War, we all know the story of, uh, you know, the Kokoda Track and how that um, the Imperial Japanese Army received its very first on-land defeat ever in the Second World War at the hands of Australian militia. Mm. But that's only part of the story because the other part of the story is the Papua New Guinea militia who fought alongside them and gained a reputation as being fierce fighters. I mean, you get a culture... That is a culture of headhunting where, you know, you've got these guys that are raised from birth to be warriors and suddenly you give them the the, the latest weaponry available in the Western world and you can only imagine Mm. um, the havoc that they created. The the Japanese called them green shadows because the Japanese were very good jungle fighters. Yeah. But nothing like, you know, uh, battalions like the... Uh, um, Papuan Infantry Brigade or the New, New Guinea Infantry Brigade who were fighting on their home soil, yeah, home they country. Yeah. They could go on patrol for weeks on end without being provided with provisions or anything like this. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they did actually collect, on occasions, heads along the way. Wow. Um, that kind of thing did happen. But there's another part of that story as well. I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here, but it's a very, very important part that very few people know is that that battle could never have been won. Kokoda Trail could never have been won without the assistance of the Papua New Guineans, both as the as the you know the infantry brigades that sort of fought alongside the Australians, but also the medical support that was provided for them by the stretcher carriers, hmm. and these were basically provided by um, Papua New Guinea men who had become Christians as a result of missionary influence along the Kokoda Track. Really? Now, the Kokoda Track was one of the hardest places to penetrate by missionaries 
and I'm going to have a little bit of a brag here for a moment right here on Faith uh, FM. Here we go. <clears throat> um, and it had been ignored by mission stations for a very, very long time because, you know, all the different churches have gone to Papua New Guinea. They sort of divided it up. There's like lots of heathens here, so let's not step on each other's toes at this point in history. And uh, and so that's kind of divided it all up. But there was one section that was just too hard to crack. Mm. And when the Seventh-day Adventists turned up, they were kind of a little bit late coming to the party. And they said, well, you can have that. And so they went in there. You know, the whole Kokoda Trail area was a uh, an Adventist area, and that's where all of the uh, stretcher bearers were, many of the stretcher bearers were Really? For. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. So here's my slightly, maybe largely inaccurate historical claim <laughs> that... Our church helped win the uh, Second World War. There you go. <laughs> I said it. Anyway, coming back to our main story, uh, this is this is an interesting one. Vanuatu has given foreign aid mm. to Australia for the bushfire support. What? They've given two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to Australia. Now we say that's a drop in the ocean, but when you're looking at when you're looking at the at the at the budget of the at the economy of Vanuatu, that's a massive amount of money that they've donated to help out here in Australia. Wow! So yeah, that's um, it's just super nice. Indonesia has sent forty three engineers across to mm. uh, help with the uh, clean up and rebuilding, along with Fiji. I think it's super cool that over. Australia is connecting with the islands around us because we are an island, and I like I think a lot of the time because we're so. You're, you know, British descent and European, and we've become Americanized with all of our big McDonald's and KFCs everywhere. Or Asian. You were, yeah. If, you know, we are technically, I mean, we're, we're our own continent, we're, but we're, we're so we're close of- to Asia. We really are Australasia. So it's really awesome that we're Oceania. connecting with yeah, Oceania. There you go. That's it. It's really awesome that we're connecting. Like what I think is awesome is that countries that we have supported for, you know, the last hundred years or so mm. are now supporting us in return because we often, you know, gripe and complain, oh, Australia sends too much money overseas in foreign aid. Uh, we should be spending it here in our own country and get kind of selfish about all that kind of thing. Uh, but the fact is that these people are finding an opportunity now to help us and that's only going to increase as history continues. It's good to see them bringing Christianity to our shores as well. This is Kemi Ogendi, here to stay. On the days when you are thriving When you feel brave and strong When living comes easily When every breath is sweet On the days when you are fighting But you just can't seem to win When every step that you take is a stumble When you're shackled from within I'm the same I don't change I won't leave I'm the same It is all so very 
everybody that was Kemi Agendi with Here to Stay very topical and we were talking about uh, countries that are around Australia and supporting Australia and have somebody an artist who comes from somewhere other than Australia and has contributed so much to uh, what is taking place in our country right now particularly in music and singing and the arts you Gemma what's our next clue next clue for the quiz is all the apostles were afraid of Paul until I brought him to them in Jerusalem there you go who was it that brought Paul to the apostles in Jerusalem? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And um, there will be a prize coming your way, which is? The prize will be a copy of The Ministry of Healing because I know we're about to talk about depression and mental health issues, so I thought this book would be an excellent tie-in. So, yeah, The Ministry of Healing, fantastic book. Fantastic. All right. David Haupt, welcome to the show again this morning. Good morning. Good morning to your listeners. So, David, we've been talking about uh, depression over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, you're a regular here with your weekly segment. What What I'd like to know this morning is how do we actually identify depression in our own lives? Because I find, and this, I'm just speaking for myself here, I can often look at somebody else and say, I think that person is suffering from depression. But then if you tell them that, they sort of don't want to know about it. So how do you how do we actually diagnose depression and identify depression? It's a very valid question, Lyle. And just backing up a little bit in regard to the book that's been advertised, I would like to suggest to you that there's a chapter there called Mind Cure, which is a phenomenal chapter to read in order to deal with this topic of depression. Um, there is nine identification criteria uh, in identification of, of depression. And uh, the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic instrument that psychiatrists use to identify depression, identifies them firstly as a depressed mood or irritable. Now, uh, you, you sit down with a husband and you ask him who's the wife brought him in because he's really battling with his emotional uh, regulation and you ask him sir are you more irritable lately and he will say no 
but you look at his wife and she nods her head. She says, yes. So it often is seen by someone other than ourselves. And this is the reason why it's so difficult. So we will primarily see that females will express emotions of, of sadness and males predominantly uh, a sense of, uh, of emptiness. And when we as males experience emptiness, we express uh, moods of often anger or withdrawal or we do self-medication. The, the second criteria is uh, that we have a decrease in interest or things that we used to enjoy in the past. So I, I love photography um, and I suddenly start to lose that interest in in that hobby, for instance. That is a very clear indication. Now, we are looking at um, a certain number of these criteria to be in place. So if there are five, uh, five of the nine, which I'm going to mention, we are talking about major depression. One to four is minor depression on the way to major depression. The third one is significant weight change, either weight gain or, or weight loss we often uh, only look at the weight loss uh, and we don't recognize the weight gain as, in actual fact, as self-medication through food. So we are, here we're talking about at least 5% either way. Um, the fourth one is change in our sleep patterns. In other words, I either have lack of sleep or I oversleep. We, we see people sometimes that would sleep up to 23 hours a day. Oh, wow. Unable to really care for themselves, unable to feed themselves really, or, you know, they, they keep their hygiene uh, in place. Um, our, our fifth criteria is a change in activity. So here we talk about psychomotor agitation or retardation. So okay, well, well, yeah, that went completely over the top of my head just then. So people start to walk very slow; they move slow, and uh, it is when they watch, for instance, a home movie uh, shot a few years ago or just recently that they notice that hey, was that on slow motion? Why am I moving so slow? Um, <laughs> Then there is the issue of fatigue, number six, or the loss of energy. So in other words, I've had a very good night's rest and um, I wake up in the morning and an hour or two later, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm just exhausted. That is, that is criteria number six. Criteria number seven is guilt and worthlessness. So one of the hallmark identification of depression is a sense of shame and here i'm using the word shame from a psychological perspective where it really means that i feel that i'm defective i'm deficient i'm flawed i don't measure up i'll never be good enough so uh, people battling with depression will suffer with uh, the, the shame factor in their life number eight concentration uh, here is a major challenge for students um, and others but especially for students as they try to concentrate and learn because I, I start reading an article and uh, halfway through I realize I can't remember what I've read in the beginning. So I've got to go back and reread it again. And then our last one is the issue of suicidality. Uh, 
in other words have dark thoughts that life is not worth living anymore and uh, try to set plans to end my own life does depression involve <clears throat> all of those symptoms simultaneously how many or, or how many of them together combined would we say you know identifies depression five of the nine criteria that i've just mentioned will indicate major depression according to the dsm-5 uh, one to four of those criterias would indicate minor depression on the way to major depression in other words if i do not get help soon and are able to turn it around it will actually develop into a much more serious area issue in my life and may I suggest to your listeners that depression is not something that we play with we need professional help for that so this is not something that you can say okay I've got between one and four of these um, just give it some time and I'll get past it we normally need help need support in order to work through that uh, now you would uh, you would notice Lyle that I am Quoting directly out of the DSM-5, which purely looks at the symptoms of depression. What I would like to do next week, though, is talk to you and your listeners about the potential causes of depression. And there we've got some control. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and that'll be something that you know we probably really need to um, delve into at some depth. While we're looking at the symptoms that we have here, back in the, in, in the past, before we really <clears throat> understood these concepts, how did people deal with depression? We, we live today in a world that has more entertainment than ever before, but we've got higher levels of depression. Now, may I also suggest that we've got far greater opportunities of communication, but less communication taking place between people. And there is connection here. In uh, years gone by, uh, communities were very much close-knit communities and supportive communities. We are living today in a fragmented society. Uh, I live 13,000 kilometers away from my family. So in the olden days, families would uh, live together, support each other, work together and care for each other. But in, in a mobile society that we have today, we don't have that support. And is it possible that the level of entertainment that we do have today can in actual fact contribute to our depression levels and this is an area that I'm going to explore next week with you and, and your listeners uh, on the impact that our entertainment have on us okay so you live a long way from your family in the past there were people who did the same thing you know I'm thinking people who moved to Australia say 150 years ago for them to get you know any form of communication with their family uh, it would take three months by ship of course, you can just jump on to uh, FaceTime, which is a little bit different. Sure. Um, and yet we still seem to have a higher level of disconnectedness. How is it possible that we can have a higher level of disconnectedness when the ability to connect is so much higher? It's interesting just to add to that, that um, 
for immigrants immigrating to another country within six months, it is we know that they will go in into a state of depression, that disconnection. But um, we, we're here talking on a Christian radio station, and can I suggest that uh, for, for Christians immigrating, they should be able to walk into a Christian church and feel that they've got a family. In other words, years back we had time for each other. Uh, nowadays, everyone is living very much because of the pressure of of the world for themselves, and we we live. Although we live in the midst of other people, we live in isolation. Let me let me just throw out a cultural change that has taken place since I was a kid, and and, and you come from a very different culture than what I come from. I want to sort of explore whether. The same is happening, you know, on the other side of the world, South Africa, for instance. Um, so when I was growing up as a young person, we would go to church on 7th Avenue, so on Saturday. And after church, every week, we would either be at somebody else's home for lunch or would have, you know, one or more families at our home for lunch. That was just what happened every week. That was, that was, there was never any variation to that. The, the way that church worked was that you would go to church in the morning and you would socially connect with people over food in the afternoon. That has changed to the point where I honestly don't remember when I was last invited home to somebody you know, to somebody else's house yeah. after a church service to eat. We have replaced that intentionally with you know community food in the church hall where everybody gets together, which is great. This is a cultural change as far as you know connection goes at a church level. Is that mirrored in South Africa? You know, in a different culture, and what's the driving force behind that? We very much had the same when I was a kid, and as a kid growing up with my grandparents in town, I would be able to go after school, and there was numerous houses that I could walk in. If it was a very hot day, I could just walk in, knock on the door. And I could ask for water to drink or sit down and have a cookie or so because they were part of my family, but they were in actual fact church members. That has changed. We, we, we have limited that and to meeting at church and we do not really let the head, uh, you know, down and really show the true me which is what is needed in order for people to properly connect. Because the difference between socialising with somebody in their home and socialising with somebody in the church hall. Very much so, yeah. There's a, there's a higher level of intimacy. There's a higher level of trust. People get to see what your home is like, you know, these kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> maybe this is something we need to work towards bringing back, a culture of inviting people home. In the years that I was in pastoral ministry, I could say to to church members at the door as they come out. Uh, I'll see you on Monday, 3 o'clock, um, and I would just march in. Uh, that has changed. You really have to pre-book and people are, are setting up in order to receive the pastor. I can't remember in my current role when last I had a pastoral visit from my pastor. Uh, years have gone by. It just doesn't happen anymore. So there's been a fragmentation that has happened in our society, which has a bearing on our mental health. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating cultural change to actually watch taking place and to see it happening in you know, different parts of the world. And maybe you've got a similar experience. If you've got a similar experience, then uh, we're going to be back after the song break and the 8 o'clock news. But you can give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and tell us how, you know, in your lifetime, the culture of Christianity and the culture of social connection has changed. Or if you are somebody who is a part of a different religion, how has social connectedness changed for you and for your religion, whatever that faith might be? This is uh, Jessica King with You Don't Have to Bear Your Burdens Alone. Forgive to Live. 
It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. It's more than learning to read or draw or count. Teaching is a call to instill confidence, foster creativity and shape the future. At Avondale University College, we understand that vision and we bring it to life. And so can you. Complete your teaching degree in early childhood, primary or secondary at Avondale University College and be ready to make a difference in the classroom and the world. Called to be a teacher? Called to be at Avondale. Jesus, no turning back. 